I think this is a, a nice time, Sunday morning, 11 o'clock, to talk about the most romantic <laughs> chapter in the book of Ruth. Um, this story plays or happens at a very different time and age than we live in. And I'd like to give you two little examples. Just by taking your back 50 years, when I was smaller, <laughs> you know, what, how different it was already at those, day, those days. I went with my two eldest grandsons when they were nine years old. I took them to an open-air museum where they had copied a village from middle 1900s, you know, in the Netherlands. And the boys, they were excited and interested in, about all the crafts they saw and the school building they saw. And at a certain point, one of them, he pointed at the wall and he saw there a little round uh, box on the wall with on top a wing-shaped button. And he says, Grandma, what's that? I said, that's a light switch. <laughs> He's used to the push things and sliding things, I don't know, but I was so, I was shocked that he couldn't see, you know. So then I will share also another story, a small example of how different it was uh, about 40 years ago, uh, my, when my own romantic life started. I started, I fell in love with, I was interested in a young man, he was a farmer, he was the cousin of my best friend, and he was one of a family of 10 people in total. So I said to my dad, Dad, I like that young man. Can I visit him? But he lived 100 kilometers away from my home, which was a big distance in those days. And uh, anyway, he said, what about? Oh, no, he said, he didn't say what about. He said, I think one, once a month is a good time. <laughs> Uh, you know, plan to start meeting him. I, you know, he was milking cows in the morning, in the evening. We were in the middle of a family of 10 people, so we could only sneak out for a walk for about one hour, one half hour. That was all the time we met. So after two years, I hardly knew him. And anyway, we broke up. So... <laughs> <laughs> But you see, you know, in those, I, no, I can't, I will not go on. If you're more interested, I can share you why my dad had took, why my dad took that decision. He was born before the first world, world war and he lived through the second one and he lived through the 1930s. It was crisis. He went to work for no money, hoping a job would open up. He was 11 years in Roman Catholic seminary. So about dating, you know, <laughs> he thought, my daughter, she's only 18. Let her first finish her studies and let her take it slow. Anyway, so now you can imagine when we go back more than 3,000 years. So be open that things are a bit different there. Because when I talked to people about this passage, they had some comments looking through glasses, nowadays glasses. But you know, the God of these people, of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, is the same God as our God, you know? Boaz says at a certain point, for sure, as the God, that, as, that my God lives, I promise. So we have that same living God. God wants to share, he wants to show something about himself through this story. So, 
in the past two weeks, we have been looking at uh, how the story started. Naomi, she had a husband and two sons, and since there was a famine in Bethlehem, they moved to Moab. When they lived in Moab, her husband, Elimelech, he died. Then her sons, they married with two local women, Ruth and Orpah, but disaster happened. Also, her sons died. So there was Naomi with her two daughters in a foreign country. It was devastating for her, and she decides to go back to Bethlehem. Then she said to her daughters-in-law, please, you stay here. What can I offer you? I have nothing to offer you. I have no more sons. Why don't you stay with your own people? And Orpah did. But Ruth, Ruth, this is very important, I think, what I figured out, that by the time she was married, during those about 10 years, she was married and she was part of that family. She had learned and had come to know their God. You know, by living with them, by talking with her husband, by their example. And she saw those people are different from us. So she says to Naomi, no, your people are my people. Your God is my God. Where you will die, I will die. She left everything and she went back with Naomi to Bethlehem. So when they arrive in Bethlehem, then God provided... Ruth was a practical, strong woman, and she knew that Naomi was weak and still mourning at that big loss of her husband and both of her sons. So she said, let me go out and glean grain on the fields because they were harvesting. And then, you know, in that way, she could gather some grain so that at least they had to eat. And then she ends up at the field of Boaz. Then Boaz, he wants to find out Who's this woman? And he has only positive comments about her, that she's hardworking, that she's the uh, daughter-in-law of Naomi. So he goes over to her and he says, he says to her, my daughter. He's, he's older than her, but the way he's greeting her is very special because she's a foreigner. Her answer is, why have I found such favor in your eyes? Me, a foreigner. So how do we greet foreigners? We have, we have a real fun situation in this church, you know, it's so good. We are all foreigners, <laughs> nearly. Who is a local Turkish person in this church? Anes, <laughs> uh, he's Turk. <laughs> Welcome to your own country. <laughs> it's really, you know, and we often, when we visit each other, we... They do, I notice, they do things a bit different than in Holland. Sometimes when I meet a Dutch person, you know, when I go to a Dutch family, praise God, we have one now in our church. There, you know, they eat like I'm used to. They drink coffee. You would say, what do you do different? It's just sometimes slight, small things. You know, maybe you notice when you come to my house, you think, why is Dini doing this this way? You know? Anyway, so... But she calls herself, like in your eyes, me, a foreigner. So she has noticed while living there that people looked with certain eyes to her as a foreigner. And she could only try her best and they needed to eat, so she worked hard. So Namboa says, I know, you know, 
I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and your mother and your homeland and came to live with people you did not know before. And then he blesses her. It struck me, and, and pay attention, how often they speak blessings to each other. We just had a greeting time, and someone said to me, May the Lord bless you. I was touched because I was touched in this passage, how often Naomi speaks a blessing, Boaz speaks blessings. You know, I thought, wow, how special. I think that's one of the best things we can do. And then he blesses her and he says her, his blessing is, in that first meeting, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly awarded by the Lord, the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. You know, it's just beautiful blessing. He's, so he's a godly leader. He's a wise leader. And uh, he, he uses what God has given him to bless others. And knowing that Boaz, he's the son of the prostitute Rahab. So where has he come from? What is his background? But God has blessed him, made him a leader, and he became really a godly man. So, in these first uh, two chapters, in this first part of the story, Naomi and Ruth are encouraged. They are encouraged in, in, a, in a big way. Naomi is gaining hope again, you know, when, when she finds out that Ruth ended up in Boaz's fields because she says, Boaz, he's a close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers of our family. And God is providing because Boaz says, okay, you can uh, glean here the whole harvest, uh, the whole harvest time, and he even tells his own workers, drop sometimes some extra grain so that he can gather enough. And Ruth, during that harvest time, she's a clever girl, I figured out. She's a wise, hardworking woman. She observes the culture she has come to live in. She sees how godly people act, how, how people share with each other, how people talk about their God what kind of blessings they say to each other. So after living there a short time, her heart, and she is prepared for the next step. Now we arrive at chapter 3, where we will be talking about this morning. So Naomi has gained hope, and knowing that Boaz is one of their guardian redeemers, she comes up with a plan. Now, maybe I'd like to say a few words about guardian redeemer. A guardian redeemer, uh, it means that that is a legal term for one person, a person who has the obligation to redeem a relative in serious difficulty. If you like to learn more about it, read in Leviticus 25 from verse 25 onwards. Leviticus 25, 25. We can't go into all of that. But... God had given the Jewish people Israel, the promised land. And every tribe got his own area. And every family got their own piece of land. So what happens when the husband 
passes away, dies, when the son dies, when there is no male uh, uh, people, persons anymore in that family, then the inheritance or that piece of land would go to others. And that family will not continue. So God's plan is he wants that family to continue because families are precious to him. Family is, God started families from the very beginning. So in their, according to their law, the, a brother-in-law would marry the widow and then the first child they were getting was taking the place of the first husband, let's say in this case, the husband of Ruth. And the inheritance would go to him, and in that way the family would continue, be able to continue. So that's what um, Naomi is telling her. And she says to her also, my daughter, I must find a home, a place of rest for you, where you will be well provided for. Now, Boaz, with whose, whose servant girls you have worked, is a guardian redeemer of ours. And then tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. So that is the end of the harvest. They have to win the barley out of the, the, the whatever you call it, the reed. And then, you know, that they have the, the grain left over. So it's hard work. She says, wash yourself, put on perf perfume. And putting on perfume in those days was like when you were mourning because of the loss of your husband or a loved one, you know, you were dressing very sober. I remember my grandmother in those days, they were dressing in black for a certain amount of time. And if, sorry, if you had bad luck or when another person passed away, then you had to continue to wear black. I remember my, my grandmother said, I've been wearing black half of my life. <laughs> it was very sad, you know, really sad. So here in this culture, when you put on perfume, you somehow, you know, you, you, that past of that period was over and you moved forward. And then in our translation here, it, as in my translation, it says, and put on your best clothes. Person, other translations say, get dressed. Personally, I believe she didn't put on her best clothes. She didn't want to look at that moment like going to a party or like going out or like meeting with a man. She goes there in the evening to the trashing floor. She wants to look good, but not like going to a party because Bethlehem is a small place. When people see you dressed up, walking by, what would they think and say? So she looks, I think, as regular as possible. So she went there, she did exactly everything what Naomi asked, told her to do. So if you think about Ruth, how she was feeling at that time, you can imagine it's quite exciting. And to do everything exactly, but she trusted it. She trusted it because she had been long enough with her mother-in-law. She had been long enough in the culture. She understood what guardian redeemer meant. So she did. So she approaches Boaz. She lifted up his garment from his feet and she lays down at his feet and is waiting. We don't know for how long, but it must have taken ages for her. He wakes up and he discovers a woman at his feet. And he says, 
who are you? And then she says, I am uh, your servant, Ruth. There's two things very different from the first meeting. Then she says, why do you pay attention to me, a stranger, you know, a foreigner? Now she says, I am your servant. She was not really a servant. She was allowed working in his fields for his own, her own benefit. But she presents herself as his servant. And then she says, Ruth, just her name. You know, when Mary got, uh, when the angel Gabriel came to her, in Luke 1, we can read about it. When Gabriel is telling her that she's going to be the mother of the Savior, of Jesus, then she says also, I'm your maidservant, I'm your servant. That's what she says. So it's a very humble, it's a very honoring, a very respectful thing to say. And Boaz, Boaz is a wise man. So he listens. And then Ruth says, spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. That is like an invitation, marry me. In those days, uh, there was during the wedding ceremony, there was a, a moment that uh, the husband or the bridegroom was spreading out his garment over his bride. She comes under his protection. She comes under his wings. They become one. So by using these words, she is showing, you know, you are a guardian redeemer. Please, if possible, do this for me. So then... She has done what Naomi told her. She has said what Naomi told her. Then that, I don't know how many seconds were between, she stopped speaking and Boaz started answering. Maybe you have been in situations, you know, maybe also when you were proposing to a girl or as a woman, maybe you were interested in a young man or maybe you went for a applying for a job, or there are situations, you know, you say and you give all you have, but you, you depend on the answer of the other one. So, then, Boaz answers, and he starts saying, my daughter, as he called her before, you know, that must have been right away such a relief. He didn't say, what? Don't you understand? Or get out of here? You are a foreigner. I've been kind to you. This is too much. He says, my daughter. He knows he's a relative. He lives according to the law of God. He's a wise man. He understands his situation. He has compassion for her and her mother-in-law. Then he, he, he says, this kindness you show is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. The word kindness used there 
in, in the Hebrew word is chesed. And that kind, of, uh, that kind of kindness is a merciful, compassionate, grace-filled, living, loving kindness. Boaz sees that Ruth is doing this out of love to God, to Naomi, and respecting and obeying the law of that country. He, because he answers why he thinks that right away himself. He said, you have not gone run after younger men, whether rich or poor. If she would have run after a younger man, it would have been just out of passion. And if she would have run after a rich man, it was also selfish. Because she thought, okay, I'll be well off, you know, let me do that. No, she cares about the family bond, the family she belongs to. You remember she said in the beginning, when they left Moab, she said, your people are my people. And your God is my God. But she also really stood for that first part of her, what she said. Your people are my people. So she wanted to live according to the law and according to uh, the way her people, Naomi's people, lived. And then Boaz says again, and now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. You know? All you ask. She must be so comforted. She must be so at peace. And then he says, he takes all worry away. And then she says, all the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. You know, Ruth has been observing the society and Boaz, but Boaz has been observing her too throughout that time. So he knows what they say. And he says, it's true, I'm a guardian redeemer of our family, but there is another one nearer than me. Then he says, stay here for the night in the morning. If he wants to redeem, that's his duty, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. They have the same God as we have. Our God lives. We were singing about it. It was beautiful. We were singing about the Redeemer. You know, it's, it's beautiful. And it's a, what Boaz is going to do is a beautiful picture of what Jesus is doing for us. You will hear more about that next week. For now, I want to share it. I hope by this story you can see how God works through the lives of people. Boaz's life, Naomi's life, Ruth's wife, Ruth's life. And then he says, lie here until the morning. The Bible says, so she lay at his feet. That detail is written there. So both understand, at this moment, this is the best way to do it. There is in, in Holland, and I think it's also in America, like it says, true love waits. If people are intending, you know, they're dating, they have an interest in, in each other, but they refrain, they don't have sexual relationship before marriage. If you truly love someone, you wait. You are willing to wait, you want to wait. It's not always easy, we all know. But they do it out of respect for God and also respect of the other one.
And I heard one time someone said, it's also out of respect of the future wife or husband of that person. It might be yourself, but it might be another person. And it's nice when, you know, if you marry a girl or, or a young man, that they have been living a pure life according to God's law. It blesses your marriage. So then he gives her six measures of barley, because he's, he said you shouldn't go home empty-handed. That's more than what she uh, could earn or work for. When she had one day of labor, it's more worth than two days of labor. So he cares also for Naomi, because he says you shouldn't go home empty-handed. So then, uh, I really like it with, uh, when she comes home, it says, when, when Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? I see that picture before me, you know. Naomi, I think she didn't sleep the whole night. <laughs> so anxious to know what's happening. You know, trusting her, her, her daughter. And um, so you like to know how did it go. And then, you know, Boaz, uh, okay, then Naomi tells her everything. And then Naomi says, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. She trusts Boaz. She knows he's a good man. He will do what he said. He said, as the Lord lives, you know, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. So, and then Boaz says in the Bible, he goes, he gets up early too, and he goes to town. And this story will be continued next week. So I leave it for here now. So you can read chapter four. You will get some idea already. But listening to this story, this beautiful story, Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, can you relate to someone in this story? Are you in a foreign country? Are you stuck in a foreign country? Did you lose a loved one? Do, do you try to work? Are you willing to do whatever is needed to have food? Have you been in those situations? Maybe you are more like a Boaz at this time of your life. God has blessed you with wisdom, with property, with workers. Are you good for your workers? Are you supplying or helping others to get on their own feet? So, God is bringing the lives of these three people together. We can really see in this story how God is using all these circumstances to fulfill, to come to his plan. God is our God. God has a plan for your life too, for all our lives. You might think, oh, I'm just gleaning grain in a field. I'm just only working for my food. Or maybe you think, oh, I'm a businessman. I'm so busy. I work all day long like Boaz. I don't have time for other things or whatever. But God wants to use. He has a plan for your life. So Jeremiah 29 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. It's the Lord's plans for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. 
then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. So God calls you into relationship so you can discover the plans he has for you. And he uses these plans for yourself, but also for his bigger plan. Because Ruth becomes the grandmother of King David. Do you think she ever thought about it? Me, a foreigner? Maybe you think about me. Oh, I'm a poor girl. I'm a simple person. I'm not educated enough. Whatever you might think. God has a plan for you. And it's important in his kingdom. You are important. You are precious. You are his daughter. He says to you, my daughter. He says to you, my son. So do what God has for you at this moment. And don't think low of it. That's what people say. But that's not what God thinks. And trust and know that God wants to bless you. So let me close with the blessing. So in Philippians 1 verse 6, it says, Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen.